Once again, fouls are at center stage for the Phoenix Suns. They're doing it too much. They're not getting it enough. And on today's episode of Lockdown Suns, we'll break down why that is. And is Chris Paul quietly going through load management? We'll talk about it all. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Happy Wednesday. Another basketball game is here tonight, but a lot to get to before then. The Phoenix Suns uh, had a messy game on Monday night. Joining us to talk about that is Aaron Edwards for his weekly Wednesday visit. Reminder to everybody to subscribe to the show wherever you're finding it. YouTube, Apple, Spotify. All you have to do is hit that follow button. That subscribe button will be in your show every morning, in your feed every morning. If you're on YouTube as well, hit that bell down below. Get a notification every time the show goes live. And drop a comment here on the YouTube channel as well with your thoughts on why the Phoenix Suns cannot seem to get to the free throw line. That's what we're going to start with. We'll hit on Chris Paul and his injury slash maybe not injury and some Suns rumors on the trade and extension markets later in the show. But Aaron, uh, you were, before we even talked today, you were on Twitter uh, with some takes to get off. So I feel like I just have to clear out like campaign did not do on the final possession of last night's game and let you go to work your book. There's no Jimmy Butler. So hit it. Just tell me what you think is going on because the Suns had four free throw attempts against the Miami heat. They were, I think that was tied for uh, the fewest in franchise history. If I have that number correct. And uh, it really killed them because Bam was living at the free throw line late and they had nothing in the way of easy offense. Why do you think this has been a problem for Honestly, longer than you and I have been doing this show together, and we're coming up on a year of you uh, you and I talking about this team. I think, like, what I – it's the eye test. You can tell – we have this thing as Suns fans, and I know some people are going to be in the comments all mad at me probably, but we have this thing as Suns fans where, yes, it does seem like the reps are against us sometimes. I think Book should be getting superstar calls. Some games he does. Sometimes you'll look up and he has 22 free throws, and you're like, yes, finally, he's getting that. But for the most part, our team, we don't have dudes like that. We're asking dudes who it's not their nature to go bang and kind of foul bait and kind of get hit and want to get hit and make the refs. We don't have dudes that make the refs call it. Like Aiton fading away on hook shots and fading away on uh, jumpers and like – he doesn't put the ball on the floor and just gets into somebody's body on a spin move like Embiid does. Or like we don't have dudes that are willing to just go get banged on and get fouled. Like sometimes fouls do hurt. And I don't think that we have dudes that are willing to accept the fact that, yeah, you're going to get fouled and it might hurt, but you get to go to the line. Like asking Mikael Bridges who can get to the rim pretty easily. And I think if he just doesn't have the body to like, 
constantly do that. I think he would probably, if he really wanted to go for it and he wanted to risk it, I think Mikael Bridges would really get fouled a lot more if he was willing to do it. But we're asking a bunch of dudes who it's against their nature to go get hit and make the refs call a foul. We aren't 29th in free throws on accident. Like that's not an accident. You can't blame the refs on that. Getting fouled is a skill. And when team the team that shoots a lot of free throws, if you look at the first place team in free throws, I'm sure you can tell the very obvious difference on how they get fouled because they probably make the refs call it. And if you can't even see it from an eye test, how bad we are at making the refs call fouls, then I don't know what to tell you. You can see it very obviously on even when we do get to the free, uh, even when we do get to the lane and book kind of almost gets fouled and he like falls behind the rim. Like he's not going against somebody's body. He's kind of getting washed out of bounds. Like he's going away from the contact and he's thinking that's enough contact to get a foul. Like, no, you have to get hit sometimes. That's just what it is. And Nobody on the scene wants to get hit. The past two seasons with Chris Paul, the Suns were bottom five in terms of free throw drawing. And it's it's weird to like blame that on him. Part of it's just he's old, so he doesn't draw, drive to the basket anymore. Early in his career, he was perfectly fine as a free throw drawer. Not elite, but but fine. It's just the era of this team, the way that they play, the way that this roster is assembled. You're right. Like there's not anybody. And what's kind of funny is you look back at Monty's first year and it's become an outlier because they were actually fifth in free throw rate in the league that year. And it's, it's like a, a, a good thing and also a lie because the real reason that that was the case, one Rubio was at four free throw attempts per 36 minutes, which is solid enough um, for a point guard, especially one that doesn't shoot a ton. But really, the guy who drove that was Kelly Oubre. Oubre, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm not going to point to that and say, if only the Suns played that way, because he was a chucker, and he happened to be really athletic and big, so he can get to the line. But that's not a sustainable way to play offense. They were not very good on I mean, they were like middle of the pack offensively, or maybe 12th, I want to say, that year. So it's not exactly like, let's replicate that, and the Suns will be better. That's not my point here. But they are better this season, a little bit. They've crept up. A bit they are at, uh, I want to say, is it 27th so far in free throw rate? Uh, <laughs> which is not exactly uh, anything to celebrate either. 23.229. Last year, they were 29th at 0.221. So not really much of a difference whatsoever. I was really optimistic that Mikhail Bridges could be that guy. I still am a little bit optimistic that that can be the case. I think if he stays aggressive, if they continue to get him involved, handling the ball, running pick and roll uh, as the, the screener in the pick and roll, sometimes obviously he gets in, in, in uh, involved in transition often. Like I still want to believe that he can be the difference maker in that capacity, but you're right. I mean, talked about Chris Paul already. I do think book, if he continues to drive like he has and they can space the floor better for him, that's, consistent you can rely on book being a foul drawer it's not always going to be you know 10 to 15 a game he's not Joel Embiid but he can do it but other than that they don't have anybody who embraces that contact I talked about it even last night a little bit with campaign like he plays like incredibly aggressively he's pretty you know willing to like get foul or to to foul other players he's pretty aggressive on defense at times 
He likes to pick up the pace, but he's not really physical like that. So (laughs) I don't think that's something that's going to get solved. I kind of think that's just how this team is, but it is a weakness and you're, you open your, it's always the thing I've talked about with the free throws and the lack of threes, which has also gotten a little better this year too, is you're just opening yourself up to other ways to lose games. You can lose games by getting out free throwed. You can lose games by getting out three pointed and you can lose games by not getting to the basket enough. And they've had games in big, big, big moments. Remember Giannis, he's on my (laughs) wall back here who they killed them in that way. And so that's the biggest, that's the thing it is for me. It's like, I don't see it being solved soon. It's not going to destroy this team's hopes, but it's just another way where you get into a very tight game with the heat and all of a sudden Bam's drawing and ones on you and you're not matching that with easy offense because it's the heat and they're great at defense. And now you lose like that. That's what you open yourself up to by building the roster this way and playing this way. Yeah. That's why like, I don't like, yes, this is a playoff team and we're being a bad uh, team at drawing free throws in the playoffs is also an issue of its own, but it was just one of the, it was the jump that I wanted Aiton to make. Like I wanted him to be willing to do some head fakes and get into somebody's body and go toward their body shooting the free throws. His hook shots are still away. They're still fading away. His jumpers are still fading away. And I just want him to sort of like, I wanted him to learn like this summer to, he's a max player like get fouled that's like centers that get fouled and he's not a terrible free throw shooter that's money like like get that like if you want the center to be in foul trouble and you're attacking you have quick feet you're strong you're athletic like i don't see how he doesn't bait the refs into calling fouls and he has no problem fouling other centers like at all or anyone else, but it just seems like he still has an issue getting into people's bodies and getting fouled. I think it's, I'm not hoping for it anymore. With him. <laughs> like bookmark this. I'll put one of those uh, time, timekeepers on YouTube and it'll just, it won't even be what we're talking about in the segment. It'll just be Brendan announces he's done waiting for Aiton to draw fouls. Like <laughs> it's not happening. I just, he's 24. This is his fifth season in the NBA. He's going to turn 25 during next summer. So this is, you know, this is his, we're getting to his prime. He played, he's, he's made strides in everything else. This has just not come around and it's actually gotten worse this year. I mean, I guess in terms of per game it has in terms of free throw rate, it also is the worst season of his career. So I don't know. It's just, it's not like it's the fluctuation of the calls or this and that he does not want to do it. He doesn't want to draw fouls (laughs) because like you're saying, if he wanted to, it would happen. He could really be somebody who gets the opposing team into foul trouble. He could have nights where, he does what Joel Embiid did last Monday where the Suns just lost the game basically because Embiid lived at the line and that was the difference in the whole matchup. Bam Adebayo did it a little bit in the fourth quarter last night. These would be things the Suns could do. Aiton Drew, he had six and a half free throw attempts per 40 minutes at, a, at U of A, his, his one season there. You know, Granted, like that's Pac-12 yeah. centers who are like 6'8", just smacking him because they can't <laughs> guard him. But we've seen it happen. And if he wanted to do it, if he had the physicality and the intensity and the mental wherewithal to make that a focal point, it would have happened. The most famous moment of Aiton's career, I would say so far, has been Monty Williams yelling at him to play with more force. If Monty's doing that in the middle 
of one of the biggest moments of the Suns season. He knows what we all see. It's not part of what Aiton is. And if those guys all yelling it at him for the past three years where they want to be a contender hasn't changed his mind, like, what, what are we waiting for? It's not going to be the case. It's going to be Bridges. It's going to be maybe a guy the Suns trade for. Maybe we could say it's Cam Johnson. It's not going to be Aiton, at least not anytime soon. And I don't, I don't think we should even expect it anymore. And that, I don't even mean that disrespectfully. It's just like he showed he doesn't it to want us to for do five it. years. Yeah, it's very obvious that he just doesn't want to do it. That's like, and like I'm not going to be like one of those the '90s kind of dudes. But if he was just willing to just add that part, it's the easiest part as a center, I think, to add to your game getting fouled, like getting into somebody's body, like banging down there. And yeah, if he doesn't want to do it now when Nurk is getting free throws, Gobert is getting to the line, like dudes that are not as good as him are getting to the line and he just refuses to do it. Valanchunas is getting to the line. Yeah. And all they are is big, like you're saying. So David Robinson, who people compared physically to Aiton, and I know I've put that on here and like people who are 55 or whatever bark at me on my on the YouTube comments. I'm not saying they're the same player. If you listen to this show, you know I do not uh, vision view those guys as the same whatsoever. But physically, they're about as close as two NBA players could be in terms of the dimensions of their bodies and kind of the way, the places that they move on the floor, what their alleged strengths and weaknesses are. I know Robinson won an MVP. They're not the same, but David Robinson had never one time in his career did he have a free throw rate lower than 50%. And this season, I believe I had, I just had it up. DeAndre Ayton's free throw rate is uh, 15%. So (laughs) come on, like you're saying, it it is a different era, but at a certain point it has to be uh, stated and just, not relied upon anymore, but uh, they do need to figure it out whether it's Aiton or uh, like I said, probably not Aiton. It still needs to be somebody because they're, they're opening themselves up to losing games like this and they're not demanding the respect of, of the officials. All right, let's get to Chris Paul. He's missed the past three games. He is dealing with what they're calling right heel soreness, but I think there's a little more there. So I want to get to that first today's show guys brought to you by two rows. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. And with Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip or get a classic luxury car for a special event. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. This would have been incredible living at ASU and not uh, having a vehicle personally. (laughs) Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life and more. Many two-row hosts can even deliver the car right to you and every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. So forget boring rental cars. View Turo to now check out uh, Turo.com now. Check out all of their inventory. There is something for you. I guarantee it. Find your drive at Turo.com. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. We need to pause the podcast for a second because I have something you absolutely need to try. And those are Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. The cookie dough topper, the coconut brownie bar, and the coconut brownie topper. 
They also have the white chocolate peppermint granola, which is built to take on the granola bar. So it's a little more filling than their normal bar, but still insanely tasty. And finally, the candy cane brownie puff. Built puffs, built puffs for anyone who's ever tried them are like fighting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried built bars before, they're the best tasting protein bars ever built. So sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever. There will be a time before you tried built flavors and after. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. All right, Aaron. So Chris Paul is, I had noted throughout the season that the minutes were not going down quite like I had hoped. They're down a little. They're at 30.2 points per game this year. But finally, he leaves the Philly game with right heel soreness, only plays 14 minutes that night. So really the minutes probably are down more than I'm, uh, are up like I'm anticipating and, and, and guessing because that 14 drags it down. And then he's missed the past three with right heel soreness. So what I want to pose to you is that this is not necessarily that severe of an injury. I think we talked last week and I was kind of like, I don't buy it, that he's fine. But I wonder if he was actually telling us the truth then, and this isn't so much of an injury as much as it is that he is slowly, finally, begrudgingly accepting a form of load management here that he hadn't wanted to in the past. Because unless they tell us something severe here, a heel is not something we've ever known Chris Paul to deal with, and suddenly he's out for a week with it when he's telling us he's totally okay and will be playing in in a playoff game, basically. Yeah, like Chris Paul is a lot of things. Like he's extremely proud, but he's not stupid. He knows his age. Like I think they needed an out, if anything. Like I think this was like not planned, of course, but I think it was a good re- a good way to finally get to a thing that they knew needed to happen. Like campaign was going to need the minutes anyway. We got Dwayne Washington Jr. Like I think, and like I said before the season, we need to try a lot of different stuff on this off- offense that's ugly first. And – we need to figure out what this team literally is without Chris Paul. We've gone through, we've had good teams that got to the playoffs and the second Chris Paul kind of falls apart. We've been running pick and roll ISOs motion like the entire time. And once Chris Paul can't do it and once he can't shoot or anything, like the team falls apart because you're defending just four people and one dude won't shoot the ball. So I think that this was just a good way to have him healthy, to get him there. And he's, like, I know the OKC thing when they tried to sit him and he wouldn't allow him to do it. This is different. Like, he knows this is one of his last shots. This is probably it. <laughs> and any way to get his body to May, to June, he has to do everything possible. And I think this quote-unquote injury was just a good way to get him there, even though, like, it's probably not that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, when he kind of said no to Sam Presti, that was – what the summer of 2019 so as long ago as it feels that monty williams got hired here that's how long ago it was the last time we really thought about chris paul's views on load management and i think we've all kind of assumed since then oh he's too much of a dog he's never going to do it he you know has his shoulder ripped out of his socket and screws up his neck and against the lakers and monty has to basically like threaten him to get him to to sit and then even then he doesn't actually end up missing that game he comes back and says no I'm playing anyway 
And so I think this shouldn't like knock his competitive, his competitiveness at all. But it's like you're saying, it's just confronting reality more than anything, <laughs> I think. And, and so, yeah, it, I, I don't, I don't think it's an overly big deal that he's doing this, but I do think it's necessary and I do think it's the right thing to do. And I think you have to like kind of appreciate that he's willing to kind of do what's right for the team. And to your point, I mean, his freshness is part of this, but the other part of this is the other guys having the opportunities without him because like it or not, like even his poor performances in a lot of games this year, he's going to be controlling what's going on on the court. And we talked so much when he was active about how awkward it was for him, even to do something simple, like just take a spot up three. And so not having him out there whatsoever, it's just going to be better reps for everybody else. I just looked it up. Um, Mikhail Bridges usage this year overall on the season is 15.7. Since Chris Paul has been out, including the Philly game, since he barely played, Mikhail's up to a 17% usage rate. So that's not a lot, but you're talking about, you know, almost two percentage points more for a guy who it's really hard to get him to attack. So like yeah. those little differences matter. Yeah, I think just people not him knowing that they can have the ball in their hand and run the offense, it's just going to do well for the future. I think that maybe we don't want Chris Paul playing back-to-backs. I don't know how they're going to get out of it because I don't think he's going to let them just say low management every time. But I think that, I mean, LeBron is probably going to have to do that this year. I think that a lot of these older dudes, especially people on contenders at least, like I think LeBron's going for the record, so he doesn't necessarily like need to low manage that much. But I think if you're on a contender and you have a vet that's really important to your team, low management is going to be a thing that you have to do. And we need it more than anything. We need people to know that they can handle the ball in tough situations that aren't named Devin Booker or Chris Paul. Did you just talk about LeBron and then say team players on contending teams? No, I I switched that and said he's going for the record, so he doesn't count. But yes. (laughs) So Chris Paul, uh, let me see. Why is this showing up in a thing that does not feel correct? Let me let me get this. His minutes per game, I'm trying to look if you exclude the the Philadelphia game. It's still showing me 30.2, and that is not correct. So I don't know. But the point being, one thing we know for sure with him is if he plays, he's playing, like capital P. And so (laughs) you're not getting him to do something where he's Jason Kidd the year Dallas wins the championship or he's, you know, Sue Bird this year with the storm where just kind of hanging on and really the other person's the starting point guard, but I'm just here. He's probably not at that level of evolution where he needs to take such a significant step back, but he's also just not going to do that. And so I think this might be the happy medium of like, Hey, we know you are just like any other 38 year old NBA player and you have soreness and normal stuff. So why don't we take that opportunity? Tend to that. We'll have the trainers take some extra work on you. You can just not have to recover from every single game day. And then you come back when you're feeling a little bit better. I don't know if it's something that'll last all the way through the season. Every three weeks, suddenly he misses another week. But even these little sprinkled here and there will go a long way. So 
I uh, think that yeah. I haven't said this out loud yet, but I've been thinking it for a while. I think this is one of the first seasons in a long time where he's playing himself into shape. I don't think he came in in shape. I, I think it's just been pretty obvious that he didn't come into the season in shape. And I think that he kind of knew the load management thing was going to happen. So he probably decided that I'll work out this year, but my health is the main thing and I'll just play into shape for the season. So I think come like February, like we'll have the real Chris Paul and we'll know what he is, but I don't think he's been in shape to start the season. I think that could easily be the case. He definitely didn't look good and he didn't want to shoot and his defense was, was garbage. I mean, we like, we forgot, kind of forgot about it. I feel like in a way, (laughs) but this is the same dude who got benched on opening night against Luca and Dinwiddie because he couldn't guard those guys. So uh, yeah, on the minutes, I finally got it. He was at 32.0 per game before that weird dip because of the Philly game. So that would have been just about the same in line with last year. And obviously no one would have called Chris Paul fresh by the end of last season, even though maybe he did have COVID. So you could, <laughs> you could be right. This could be a way of helping him. Maybe he's still continuing to uh, practice and get and get workouts in, but not actually you know just competing on game days. That could be the case that might help him out. You know, whatever it is. I don't think it's going to hurt at all. I think it's only going to be good in the long run. Even if you can say campaign taking that last shot, uh, that shot on the last possession against Miami, that's Chris Paul with the ball in his hands. That possession probably looks a little better. Maybe the Suns are nine and four instead of eight and five. But those are things you take. We've talked about it all summer. We talked about it even last summer and they didn't really do it. You don't need to win the one seed. You just need to win the championship. So um, yeah, but on the way to the championship, the Phoenix Suns have a couple things to get figured out. Cam Johnson's future, or at least his present, as well as the Jay Crowder trade. Two reports on that front that we want to get to first. Today's show, guys, brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all year long with more stats, with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. Whether that's football the rest of the way or the start of the basketball season all the way through next spring bet online has you covered from football to basketball to soccer even esports they've got it all at betonline.net and if you love podcasts in addition to your news analysis and info you can find those at bet online as well they are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix so head to the website today or use their mobile your mobile device to learn more that's bet online where the game starts Aaron, do you want to start with Cam Johnson reports or do you want to start with the Miami Heat's continued interest in Jay Crowder and that reporting? Uh, Let's do the Cam Johnson thing first. All right. So uh, Mike Scotto over at Hoops Hype did a podcast and article where he took the time and actually got some details on the guys who didn't get extensions. So Cam being kind of the most notable one, but... Uh, P.J. Washington is in here, Grant Williams, Cam Reddish, Kobe White. Um, Kobe White, kind of depressing. Uh, (laughs) All it says is, Kobe White's role in production have declined for the third straight season, and according to rivals, he's a trade candidate for the Bulls. There's no details on the extension at all. Uh, (laughs) That's a bummer. But there's plenty on Cam Johnson. What they said, what, what he has in here, Aaron, is, the Phoenix Suns discussed a contract expen- extension spanning four years between 66 and 72 million with forward Cam Johnson at different points before the start of the season. League sources told 
hoops hype. I know there were some rumors out there on that 72 million number before the season, Aaron, and this is kind of in that line, but 66, I have always felt like that 72 was maybe high. Maybe that's uh, a little bit of selective communicating on the part of uh, Devin Booker's father and uh, Cam Johnson's (laughs) team as his agents, just getting that out there. But 66 feels a little bit more reasonable. Does this change how you feel about if Cam should have taken the extension? Because that's a lot of money, and I'm not exactly positive he's going to get a ton more than that from the Suns or anyone else. I mean, maybe that's unfair. What do you think? Um, I think it was fair for – I think it'll be fair for what we do next. I think that he should have took it. But as we've seen, the – the Lakers don't have any shooting. They will pay that money for They will pay what Cam Johnson wants. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that they will because LeBron's time is running out, AD's time is running out, and they have no shooting on that team. So I could see them going for it. So, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect the Suns to budge because of that because he can't stay healthy and paying a dude – what upper sub I think the Lakers might even do 80 like Polinka's not good at his job like the Lakers could do 80 85 <laughs> I think so I think the like like the Suns won't no, the, the Lakers are going to convince themselves they're getting Chris Middleton and not get anybody <laughs> that's my guess on what LA does but you're right somebody will do that I agree with you yeah so I just think that on our end it's smart like I would love him to stay here but if somebody's willing to overpay for a dude that can't stay on the floor but is a really good athletic shooter coming off of a knee surgery then sure do it but I just don't think especially when we have other holes like our our shooting is pretty bad right now without him but he can't be on the floor so our shooting would be bad even with him if he can't stay on the floor so I think that every side is right on what's probably about to come next that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I there's not a great comp from this past year of free agency, which is part of what makes it kind of tricky. Um, there wasn't like that straight shooting guy. Like Anthony Simons, I guess, was a little similar in terms of like he kind of bet on himself, had a big season, got to restricted free agency and exceeded expectations, but they're not similar players. Simons is a lot younger. He handles the ball. Portland put a lot of investment into him in terms of development and everything else. He's their CJ. Like that's not similar. But yeah. The year before, obviously Duncan Robinson was five for 90. That's 18 annually. So that would be a four-year deal would be that 72 number. Norm Powell made that same amount of money. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was at four for 75. Fournier was four for 73. So maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that was two whole years ago. The cap's going to continue to go up. But I also think there's the injury part of this, right? Like he's going to have to prove quite a bit in terms of staying on the floor and making a big impact every single night when he does come back from this meniscus because none of those guys really have injury concerns. I guess Hardaway does now, but he didn't really before that. The rest of these guys are all fairly healthy players as far as I'm remembering. Laurie Markkinen was four for 67 million. He's been amazing, but that feels somewhat similar. Another somewhat of an older restricted free agent at 24 years old. So I don't know. I I think he could exceed this. The other part of this from Mike Scotto, Aaron, was that uh, the Suns, uh, reiterating what we've kind of already heard, but the Suns are not expected to really entertain 
offers higher than what Mikhail got. I don't know if that's just posturing. If it really yeah. got to a point where the Sun, where another team offered four, like let's say it was exactly four for 90 and the Suns just didn't bring a player back because of the politics of what Mikhail might think, that would feel pretty ridiculous. I've never felt like I fully believe that they wouldn't actually do that if it really came down to it, but it keeps being out there. Yeah, I just don't see Mikhail as that dude, so it's really hard to exactly like to picture him being in that vein, like in that type of person. So he took the uh, contract in the first place, knowing he could have gotten more. So how's he going to yeah. then turn around and his like best friend on the team gets life changing money, and he's like, "Yeah, but that's that's more than me." So I'm 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 demanding a trade. Like I, I mean, <laughs> I don't see that. Uh, I think that's somewhat is like setting the foundation for what the negotiations are going to be um, similar to the Suns, right? They weren't going to pay Aiton four years at a max. Then what did they yeah. do? They paid Aiton four years at a max because it came down to it. And that's better than losing him for nothing. So I don't know. Um, I, I, do you think there, how much, if you had to put it right now, what is the likelihood? Like just give me a percentage chance that the Suns don't have Cam Johnson just not because they traded him, but he just ends up signing with and not getting matched with another team next summer. Like, is it 20, 30%? Where do you, where would you put that? Like a, a year before him that we like the percentage that we won't bring Cam yeah. back. Yeah. Um, exactly. like, like 20, probably like 15. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's that's coming. Back. <laughs> well, that's, that's not nothing. Like yeah. if, if, if Mikhail Bridges, for instance, for whatever reason, like said no to four for 90 and then he became a restricted free agent a few months ago, I would have put that at like 0%. Like they're going to pay him whatever it takes, even if they didn't get it done in the October window. Whereas whereas Cam, it's like, there's enough uncertainty where, I don't know, 20% chance that you lose a player for nothing who's very valuable to you when he's healthy is it's something. So it's just at least to keep an eye yeah. on. But let's I, I think Cam I think Cam's agent would have to find a real sucker for the Suns not to match it. Like they'd have to find like an absolute dummy. <laughs> I present and... to you the New York Knicks. <laughs> I mean, I can see them. I mean, like these teams do it, right? It's yeah, Cam is gonna be the prime position guy to be the backup plan for some team that doesn't get, I mean, there's not really a superstar player, which maybe that affects this outside of like Middleton, but they're going to, he's going to be the guy that somebody wants to give their money to because they didn't get the the big name. That's where I feel like he'll land. Yeah. 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 I can see that happening just because some, I mean, Kennard got paid a lot of money for no reason. Like, so every once in a while, somebody's going to pop up. You're going to be like, they gave him what? And I can see Cam Johnson being the they gave him what dude this yeah. coming offseason. <laughs> the Luke Kennard shade, I was not expecting. That that was a, a deep pull, but you're right. I mean, it's same type of thing, and Kennard doesn't even play. So it's not even always that teams really need uh, the players. It's just like he's good, and we have the money, so let's do it. So I think Cam will – somebody will give him an offer sheet if the Suns don't get it done ahead of time, but – uh, it's just a matter of how much it is and whether the Suns want to match. I mean, that's what it always comes down to. Let's get to the Heat side of this. Coincidentally, coming down right before the Suns played the Heat. Um, 
we had known that Miami was pursuing Crowder or was interested in Crowder. We talked about it from, could it be Duncan Robinson? I did a little mini like fake negotiation segment with the locked on heat host a while ago. And where we came down was can the Suns on top of Robinson potentially, or uh, maybe even like on top of Martin or Deadman, those guys will become available once the deadline comes on the 15th. Um, but most likely Struess or Vincent on top of those guys is going to be what it takes to get it done. And so here we are. That's what Ian Begley of SNY is reporting is the Suns want Max Struess. I saw you. So I think we have different views on this because I saw you saying like, hey, James, we need shooting or we, we need I just didn't want more wings. Off the bench, and then great, we get another wing. So tell me why, because I think Struess is a pretty darn, like, legit value player. If the Suns were able to get him back, I think they'd be pretty pleased. Yeah, I think that, like, I do like him is the thing. I just don't think that fixes our problems once we have to go seven with somebody and they know our they know our offense. Like, that's just the the shooting gets tighter. They start taking away the three-point line, and I think that's not – Monty calls great plays. We get dudes open all the time. I just think in a seven-game series, which we're going to have tougher playoffs this year, I'm not really thinking about that every night. Like, if we have Shrews, there will probably be a night where he has, like, 23, 24. We're like, that was dope. Like, I'm so glad to have him. Like, I'm mostly just thinking about when they know what you're going to run and you need to make a shot, <laughs> I don't want – I'm mostly just not wanting book to have to not sit a second or having to play a whole first and Monty just holding on for dear life with a lead or a short deficit and hoping he can get book in there and try to save like a game two or three. <laughs> like that's the part I'm looking forward to. And I just, that's my issue with Struis. I think for a whole entire 82 game series, that's nice to have, like we'll be a third or fourth seed he can get a bucket actually, but I just don't think in the long run, that's just what we need right now. I hear you on all of that. I do think they either need campaign to be in the best shape, like <laughs> fitness level of his life uh, heading into the final, heading into the playoffs, or they need to upgrade that spot. I mean, I guess the way that I see it is it's not instead, Dead of, but it could be in addition to, and maybe that is pain. Maybe it's a little bit more Dwayne Washington. I know that's putting high hopes. You're but- all the way out on Tory Craig, though. That's the thing, and I think, <laughs> and yeah, like he showed us what he is in the playoffs. Like I think the rebounding. I mean, he hasn't been doing it great, but every once in a while, he'll just have a night where he's really good rebounding. But for some reason, like everyone, every time I'm about to be out on him, he just kind of brings me back a little bit. But yes, I think Shrews is a better player, obviously, but just too many wings. <laughs> so let me put it to you this way, and this is what I was getting to. I, I think that they they can't have the answer necessarily just be what's on the roster in terms of shot creation. But if they don't find something amazing there, because those guys are hard to get, again, like we can, yeah. you know, you could say like hold out until you get a shot creator, and then what happens if, you know, it's like, Kendrick Nunn from the Lakers is like the best okay. you can do. Like, are, you're not going to feel great about that. So yeah. if that's not an option or if the Suns don't like the options that are there, I look at like literally what happened on Monday. 
And I see it, see it as like, I wasn't all that angry at the campaign performance from that night. Yes, he shot a little bit too much considering he wasn't making shots, but he only turned the ball over, I think, one time in that game. I thought his control of the pace and, you know, moving the ball, all that stuff was very solid. If you add a healthy Chris Paul, maybe more fresh like we're talking about, I look at what happened at the end of the Milwaukee series in the finals and the end of that Dallas series, setting aside that that Chris Paul just was like imploding by the end of that series. Um, what's his name? Max Struess, that completely lost me for a second, Has is averaging more threes per 36 minutes at 8.7 this season. He makes 39% of his threes over his entire career at this point. That's you know pretty much three full seasons yeah. now. He averages more threes per 36 minutes, and that's actually a pretty significant tick down from where he's been than anyone on the Suns roster that's not named Cam Johnson. And so if you're telling me you're adding a serviceable defender, which he is, even if people don't realize that, he was playing over Tyler Hero in last year's playoffs for Miami because he was a two-way player, and he can take and make a ton of threes, like that's probably a better player than Jay Crowder is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might be a better player some nights than Cam Johnson, considering he can't handle a ton of minutes and everything else. And his defense probably isn't as good as Struess's. I You could go either way on that. And if you can space the floor with that guy, in addition to Mikhail, in addition to Cam, I think that's a pretty interesting option. Like, I really do think that could be a pretty big difference. If you're telling me give, you know, part of Cam's minutes and all of Shamit's minutes to Struess and what does that do for the team? I'd feel pretty okay. good about that. You kind of just sold me with that because I want money to find it. I, if the reason we haven't made a trade yet or tried to get somebody that can get a shot is because James Jones is still sold on what Shamit is supposed to be, but not what he is. Then then no, like I'm out on it. But if Struess keeps Shamit on the bench and he's hitting 39 a clip and he's playing defense, then yeah, that's obviously like way better. I mean, in this scenario, we're asking campaign to be two years ago campaign, but pretty much if we get any production out of him at all to where Chris Paul gets to get a rest, then yeah, I'm down for the shoes trade. And I might be overstating the defense a little bit. Like I don't want to make him out to be a stopper, but I do know like he was – a difference maker. He was closing games for the heat and they were the best defense in the playoffs. And you know, that says something to me. So that's it. We'll keep monitoring it. Grayson Allen is coming back up in rumors as well. I don't know if this thing gets done anytime soon. Anyway, that December 15th deadline was brought up in this same report. So it's not like, you know, Bagley was reporting that this is going to happen this week. But uh, if, if that is indeed what the Suns are thinking, I would be all in for it. I think that's a great, and he's, He's only going to be entering his second contract soon. He's a little older at 26, but he's somebody you would be fine re-signing to and, and being here long-term a lot more than you, obviously. They didn't want to do that with Crowder. Yeah. So uh, that'll wrap us up today, guys. A big thanks for making Lockdown Suns your first listen here on this Suns game day. Warriors Suns tonight. I'll be back with the recap show there. Uh, in the meantime, make Lockdown Sports today your second listen to catch up on everything else going on around the entire world of sports In just 20 seconds or less, that shows everywhere you can find your podcasts, and I will talk to you later tonight.